Thanks to Melissa for sharing some more thoughts on what it means to go up. That's the current sermon series that we're in right now at West Bowles. Uh, We're almost done with it. We're going to start a new series on Easter Sunday about heaven. Really excited about that, right? Jesus said, when I leave, I will go and prepare a place for you. Well, what is that place going to be like? What do we know about it? And why don't we think about it or talk about it more often than we do? So uh, a study on heaven beginning Easter Sunday. I'm excited about that. But before then, we're continuing a look at Exodus 19.20, which says this. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai, and the Lord called Moses to the top of that mountain. And Moses went up. Now this invitation that Moses received on this particular day to climb this particular mountain, it truly was the greatest invitation anyone has ever received. I mean, it was an invitation to sit in the very presence of God, an invitation to hear the very voice of God, an invitation to behold the the incredible glory of God. And Moses went up. But this wasn't just a one-time thing for Moses. In fact, this became a very regular occurrence. And when you say it together, it's regular. A regular, regular. All right, anyway, uh, it's a very regular thing for him. See, in Exodus 33, we learn that after Moses went up, he continued to meet with the Lord in something called the tent of meeting. I was going to bring a tent and set it up, but I couldn't get all those stupid poles figured out, right? It was just frustrating me. So I got a picture up here. But imagine if that tent were sitting right here on the side. And if I told you inside of that tent literally is God himself. Inside that tent is the maker of heaven and earth. And you can go inside that tent. You could hear him. You can talk to him. You can be encouraged by him. You could share your frustrations with him. You just got to go inside the tent. Well, that's exactly what Moses did. You see, he went into the tent of meeting. And you can do that very same thing. You don't have to go into the tent, but you can draw near to God. You can, you can have that same opportunity because that same invitation that was extended to Moses to come up, to go in, well, that invitation, that opportunity has been extended to you as well. Look at Hebrews with me, Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Go up, it says. Go in because there in his presence we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most come boldly to the throne go boldly to the top of the mountain enter confidently into that tent you can be in the presence of God in fact that's the point of it all isn't it I mean you're going to get tired of hearing me say this but Christianity is not simply about showing up paying up signing up or cleaning your life up it's not about that it's about going up Life was intended to be lived in this intimate, powerful, personal communion with the Father. In fact, it's when we're with God in his presence that we discover uh, more of who he is. We discover more of who we are. We discover what life truly is, how it's supposed to be lived. It all happens when we're with him, when we're in his presence. And what sin wrecked, that relationship, Jesus redeemed. So Jesus died to remove every barrier that stood between you and the Father because you have to have You've got to have, you need to have this relationship with God himself. And you can, you can go up, you can go in. And one of the great responsibilities that we have when we spend time with the Lord is listening up. Because we have learned over the course of the last couple of weeks that that God hears us loud and clear. The question is, are we hearing him in that very same way? Let's pray and ask him to do just that right now. God, we are grateful that you are a great God and that you are so good to us and, 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 and gracious and kind. Even now, Lord, this new day, it's yours. You made it. This breath that we are taking, it's from you, God. You could end us right now if you so chose. But, 
but you've chosen to give us life, God, to breathe life into us now and life into us for all of eternity. And so we want to honor you right now. We want to hear from you right now. We want to get closer to you because we believe you are the source of all that is good and right and real. And so draw us near. Help us to go up. Help us to enter in. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been learning that our God, he's a very talkative God. A chatty Cathy of sorts, man. He is communicating all the time from the beginning of creation where he speaks everything into being to that great invitation at the end of time in Revelation. If you hear my voice, he says, and open the door, I will enter into your life and we will commune together as friends. You see, God is speaking all the time. He's not silent. He's not mute. He's not tongue-tied. He's talking all the time. And one of the greatest goals in our life should be to hear from him. One of the greatest hopes and pursuits in this life should be to receive a word from him. More than anything else, we should long to hear from God. Why? Well, a couple of different reasons. The first is this. Real relationships are based on dialogue. Are they not? If I told you right now that I'm best friends, I'm besties with Peyton Manning, And then I proceeded to tell you that he's actually never spoken a word to me before. He doesn't even know my name, and I've never heard him say anything personally directly to me, but we're so close. You would know that's not true, right? You would know pretty quickly, yeah, you don't know anything about Peyton Manning, and vice versa. Relationship is based on dialogue. I have to be able to listen to him and and vice versa. I want to be able to talk to him and then listen back and, and, and we want to just be able to communicate. And things go deeper when you are in dialogue. And what's true with all kinds of different people, right? What's true with your, uh, your spouse or your, your kids? What's true with any other relationship where, where there's a give and take, there's a talking and a listening, that's also true with the Lord. You prove you have relationship when there's dialogue. But secondly, and more than that, is one word. One word from the Lord is truly all it takes to change everything. One word has the power to change everything. I mean, just ask Abraham. Go, he heard from the Lord. It changed everything. Just ask Noah. Flood. Everything was different after that moment. Just ask Mary. Pregnant. And everything was different after that moment, right? It just takes one word from God to change your life forever. Which is great news because that means the worst marital problem It's one word away from being redeemed and turned around. If you have a sickness or a disease, you are one word away from getting the help or maybe even the healing that you've been praying for. If you're in a financial crisis right now, you are one word away from your situation turning around completely. One word, it's all it takes. And whenever God speaks a word, a single word to somebody, they're different, they're better, they're on a much more mysterious crazy life-giving journey that Kim was talking about before. One word. See, there are those in our culture who excel at at saying a lot without saying a whole lot. I mean, Twitter kind of forces your hand, doesn't it? Like, how many characters do I get? That's it? But think about Trump. Trump can send the entire world in a tizzy, can he not, with a couple of little words on Twitter. Well, our God is the first one who excelled at doing that, with saying a whole lot without having to say a whole lot. For God, it takes one word. One word spoken directly to you can change you forever. So it's not a question of if God is speaking. It's a question of are we hearing what he's saying. But more often than not, when it comes to hearing from God, at least for some of us, we end up just hearing something like this. Take take a listen. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. 
the green light flashes, the flags go up, churning and burning, they go for the top, they I'm not sure I can hear you, right? I mean, this is what it sounds like for many of us. Like, ah, what am I hearing? Like, I'm trying, I'm trying to hear from the Lord, but then I think like a blues traveler song came in. I think some Beach Boys popped in my head, and then suddenly the Star Wars theme came out of nowhere. God, I'm trying to hear from you. I'm just, I'm just not sure that I can. What'd you say? I just can't quite hear you. I mean, hearing from the Lord, it confuses a lot of us, and it's very difficult for a lot of us because it requires something of us. It requires that we, that we tune out everything else. So you can't turn off everything else, but you can tune it out. You've heard me use this analogy before, but right now, even in this room, there are all these different radio frequencies and radio waves. There are different messages being sent through our brains right now. We're just not tuned into them. You need a, a proper receiver. If we put a radio in here and turned it to a certain channel, you would hear the different messages that are being sent. So it's not a matter about turning them off. It's just about tuning into what you want to hear and we've got to tune in to God. And it's not, not that easy to do. So this morning and then going into the next week, I want to answer three of the most common questions that I hear about how you hear the voice of God. Like what, what this means, how you do it, and how you live it out. One of the most common questions that I hear is, how does this work? And am I actually going to hear a literal voice from heaven? I was thinking of having John come on the, you know, come on the speaker and be like, Thomas, like, Lord. They're like, your fly is down. Like, ah, he, right? like, that's not the Lord, that's you, John. Like, ah. But is that, is that how it works? Well, not necessarily. You see, God wants to speak to each and every one of us. I believe that with all my heart. But he doesn't want to just speak to our ears. He wants to speak to our hearts. He wants to speak to our spirit. So you can hear a lot of things through your ears, and typically it goes in one ear and out the other, right? So he doesn't want to just speak here. He wants to speak here. He wants to speak deep within you. In John 3, 6, we read this. Jesus' words, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So he's saying fleshly things, worldly, physical things, they kind of birth and create more of the same. But spiritual things, spirit-based things, well, they birth and create more of the same as well. And so God doesn't want to speak to your flesh. He wants to speak to your spirit. Remember a few weeks ago we looked at how Jesus is now speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. And so spirit gives birth to spirit. So don't expect to hear it. Expect to feel it deep within. Luke 24, 32 describes this. Two men are, have just talked to Jesus after his resurrection. Listen to how they describe the interaction. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road? And when he opened up the scriptures to us, say that one with me real fast. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning, he says? So God doesn't want to just communicate to you through one of your five senses. He wants to communicate to your very spirit. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to speak to your core. He wants to speak to your inner man, your inner woman. And hearing God speak in this way, it requires a different tuner, if you will. It requires a different set of skills. We're not just trying to hear something physical. We're trying to hear something deeply spiritual, deep within our spirits. That's why King Solomon prays this prayer in 1 Kings 3.9. 
Give your servant an understanding heart and an understanding mind and a hearing heart to judge your people. So I can discern between good and evil for who's able to judge and rule this great people of yours. See, Solomon says, I want to hear from you, God. In order to hear from you, I need to develop a hearing heart. A hearing heart. Very different than a listening ear. I might have told you this story before, but one time Becca was talking to me about something pretty important, and, and I was distracted. I know, I know, it sounds like a shock. It comes as a complete surprise to you. But I was looking at my phone or watching Sports Center or doing something. She was trying to communicate to me, and she says, Stop it. I want you to listen to me with your face. And all the ladies in here are like, mm-hmm, that's what I'm talking about, right? Well, the Lord wants to take it one step further. I don't want you to just listen to me with your ears. I want you to listen to me with your face. I don't want you to just listen to me with your face. I want you to listen to me with your heart, deep within you. So if God is speaking to our hearts, if he's speaking to our spirits, that message is most likely going to come not through a voice, but through a sense, through a feeling, through an inclination, Something that's impressed upon us. Right? It's not going to be an audible word or a noise that you hear. I mean, it can be, but it most likely will be something that you feel. Something that you can't stop thinking about. Something that just grips you and moves you deep within. So let's talk real fast this morning about some of the most common ways that you can receive a message from the Lord. Ways that he typically speaks to our spirit, speaks to our hearts. The first is his word. The most predictable, the, the most foolproof way of hearing a word from God is to read the word of God. I love how Bill Hybel says it. When you increase your biblical engagement, you increase the likelihood that you will engage and hear from the Lord. And here's why, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God, the Bible, is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Did you hear that deeper language? It wasn't just saying these words will tickle your senses. It's saying these words will penetrate your spirit. These words have the power to go into your soul. These words can change your heart because the words in this book, the words that God's, God has already given to us, they're not simply ink marks on a page. They're not like all the other words and all the other books that have been printed throughout all of time. These words are alive. These words are active. These words have a unique, a powerful way of grabbing a hold of our hearts. They can encourage us. They can convict us. They can change us. That's what these words can do. There's a reason this is the best-selling book year after year after year. There's a reason this is the best-selling book of all time. And second place isn't even close because these words are different. These words are so different. We believe as Christians that these words came from God, that they originated in God, and they were given to us by God, that these words actually tell us more about God. These words are so powerful. Now, does it take faith to believe in these words? Of course. Is there a story as to how we got these words and the process by which men wrote these words down? Yes. Have people tried over time and I think failed over time to show all the holes and discrepancies in this book? Yes. But there's something special about this book. There is something special about these words. And I think Jesus knew that full well. It came to my attention recently how many times Jesus said during his earthly ministry, it is written. It is written. He would say, 
When facing the devil out in the desert, when talking about John the Baptist, when rebuking the money handlers in the temple, when warning Peter, Jesus would always say, you know what? It is written. He would go back and he would reference and he would quote a passage of scripture from the Old Testament. Because it seemed as if he believed these words had power. You know how I would describe the situation right now? Well, it is written. You know what God would probably want to say to you right now? Well, it is written. It is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus went back to these words. So they were always on his mind and always on the tip of his tongue. Because in this book, through these words, God has given us unmatched insight, unmatched advice on almost every single one of life's toughest situations and most difficult questions. And I just, I just wish... I just wish God would, would speak to me about how to deal with, with the stress in my life. Uh, he has. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I just, I just wish God would, would speak a word to me about how to overcome sexual temptation. Well, he has. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. I just wish God would speak a word to me about what to do in this really tough situation or how to make this really tough decision. God, would you just speak to me? Well, he has. James 1, 5. You see, it is written, it is written, it is written. I could go on and on, but I hope that you're seeing the pattern here. This book is literally filled with God's words to us. And when you engage it, when you read it, when you study it, shoot, if you just have to stare at it, the words in this book will suddenly start to speak to you. And it'll become a generic word or a general word turned into a specific word for you. We'll talk more about that next week. But you've got to be faithful with the words he's already given. Another way you can hear from the Lord is in and through silence. Now, I know that sounds somewhat contradictory, but God actually speaks to us in and through the silence of our lives. To hear God speak, we have to more or less shut off and shut out everything else. But, but that's a problem because we don't like silence, do we? I mean, there's a reason we call it awkward silence. Let me give you an example of this. See, this is so awkward. Somebody say something. It was still funny, but you were five seconds late, Luke. I came across, I thought what was a really funny quote and comic this past week. The first service didn't think so, but I, well, look, at this, look at this comic real fast. Um, it says, a method of dispelling awkward silences, right? Cricket, cricket. Keep around pockets full of confetti. Then while they're distracted, punch them in the face and run away. <laughs> like nobody over the age of 45 laughed at that at first service. I'm like, that's, that's funny. Like, <laughs> but whether it's a conversation in a room, it could be even driving in our cars, it could be at our office. Many of us, we just can't stand to be still. We can't stand to be silent. I mean, we just feel the need to say something, to play something, to do something at all times, which is a problem if we want to hear from the Lord, because Scripture makes it very clear. It's going to come through silence. Look at Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Job 37.14. Listen to this, Job. Stand still. Stand still and consider the wonders of God. Isaiah 30, 15, the Lord can't say it any more clearly. Thus the, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you 
were not willing. Let's say that one together. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you were not willing. Now I understand, I mean, our world is so loud. I get to think about the different noises ringing in our ears. I mean, there's the beeps and the buzzes of our phones, the dog barking in the back, the kids screaming in the next room, the horn honking, the timer going off. I mean, our world is so loud. Plus, our minds are loud. It's not just a matter of what's coming in our ears. It's what's happening in between our ears, isn't it? Think about all the things you are thinking about and pondering and wrestling with on a daily basis. Man, what's for dinner? Did I feed the dog? Did I unplug the iron? How will I do on that exam? What time does my flight leave? What do I need to pick up at the store? When's the kids' next practice? Man, our minds are just jam-packed, right? But if we're not careful, deadlines and due dates and decisions and all these other things, they will crowd out, they will drown out the voice of God because you have to be still to hear his voice. All those things can possibly cause you to not hear from him. I read a quote this past week. It says it, well, if your music is loud enough, you won't hear the world falling apart around you. I'm like, that's some good advice right there. Just crank it up. The problem is if your world is too loud, if your mind is too loud, you won't hear the Lord speaking all around you either. And so we have to silence ourselves. We have to still ourselves. I knew a professor out in Abilene, Texas. He would spend time every summer at a silent retreat. And when I say some time, three weeks at a time. I mean, imagine that, three weeks of not saying a word. So before, when it came to the hearing heart, the ladies were like, amen. Now the guys are like, three weeks of silence, amen, right? Like, you can elbow back now, guys. But three silent weeks, I mean, that's just crazy to me. This is how he described it to me. He told me that it took him the entire first week just to work through all the stuff that he was thinking about, that he was, he was worried about, right? All the stuff that was going on in his mind. It took the first week to go through all that. He processed it. He wrote it down. He prayed about it. He worked through all the stuff that he was working through. One whole week just to kind of get out all the stuff that was going on in here. Then the second week, he said he was actually able to sit in silence for a while. He thought about and, and prayed through everything he had to say to the Lord. And so he's like, I'm just... I'm just going just gonna to sit here for a week, and he did. And then it was only in that third week, after he'd worked through everything, after he'd stilled his mind and his heart, it was in that third week he said he heard a message from the Lord every day. One week to declutter, one week to be still, and then one week to hear. And you and I want to hear a word from the Lord after three minutes, don't we? Like, i got three minutes to be silent, let's move this thing, i got a, I got a busy day. Three minutes of silence. It took my buddy a week. And then another week, and then he heard from the Lord. You can't, you can't drive through this thing. This isn't, this isn't the fast pass to God's voice. you got to be still. you got to be silent. Now, I know that many of us can't afford or don't want to spend three weeks away, but we need to do what we can to be still and to silence our minds. It's because, guys, God's, God's not going to yell at you. God's not going to scream at you. God's not going to interrupt you. He's not going to interrupt all the other voices that are speaking to you. either. He's, he's going to wait. He's going to wait until you're ready. He's going to wait until you're quiet. He's going to wait until you're done. And then, then he'll speak. Let me get really practical here and explain how this time in silence might look. I love how Melissa shared this with us before. Um, what, what I would say during this time, because some of us are just like, do I just, I literally just sit there in silence? Like, 
Okay, now what? You know, like, what, what do you do? Well, the scripture is pretty clear. God, on multiple occasions, he tells Moses, he tells King David, he tells King Solomon, write these words down. Like, what I'm speaking to you, I want you to write these things down. And so as you sit in silence, I would highly encourage you to do a prayer journal. I would highly encourage you to start taking notes. Start writing down the things that you're thinking about during your quiet time, during your time in silence. What random shooting star thoughts kind of keep coming in? Jot them down. Write those things down. What people, right? What faces and what names keep coming to mind? Write those things down. What situations, what problems, what dilemmas are you facing that you just can't seem to, to work through or get past? Write those things down. If you can't stay focused in prayer, if you don't know how to spend your time with God, just start writing. I don't care what grade you got back in, in English class. You need to become a good writer if you want to become a good listener to the Lord. And not good in terms of like, this sounds great. Good just that you're writing. Write, 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 write. Just write down what you're thinking. Write down what you're feeling. Write down what you're sensing. As you do that, as you, as you write down your words, I think the Lord will start to speak to you through those words. Right? There'll be something that, that really draws your attention, something that really stands out to you. As you're writing, you might start to see a pattern. You might start to go down a road you never thought you were going to go down before in terms of your thought life or your heart life. And so I would just say start writing, okay? Journal, journal, journal. Be still, be silent, turn it all off, step away, be alone, and just start writing some things down. What is the Lord trying to speak to your spirit? Good chance he's telling you through your journal thoughts. In addition to the word, and in addition to silence, God also speaks to us through others. I love how Pastor Nathan says it. Strange how the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds eerily similar to the voice of your wife. I just love how, how true that is because God does speak to us through our wife. But he also speaks through your close friend or your parents or your children or your colleague or some random person at church or some random person on the street. God, more often than not, will speak to you through somebody else, through the words of another. There are tons of examples of this in the scripture. See, King David received the word of admonishment. We talked about last week. He received the, uh, received the word of admonishment from his friend Nathan. You have the Apostle Paul received the word of affirmation from God through a stranger named Ananias. Peter, one of Jesus' original 12 disciples, received the word of action from God through a man named Cornelius. God wants to speak to us through the people around us. That's how he typically does it. And I would argue that all of us have somebody like this or some buddies like this. God has given you some people in your life who can speak to you on the Lord's behalf. The question is, are you listening to God as you listen to them? Do you have a David state of mind? Are you allowing a friend to speak really difficult words into your life? Do you have a Paul state of mind? And are you allowing a stranger to speak a word of blessing over your life? Do you have a Peter state of mind? And are you propelled into action because somebody said something? You believe it was from the Lord. Now, the gift of being able to speak to another person on behalf of the Lord, that gift is what the scripture calls the gift of prophecy. It's the gift of receiving a word from God for another person and having the courage to actually go and share it with that person. And it's a very encouraging thing. And that's why the scripture encourages all of us to pray for this gift. Because we all want to hear from the Lord. We all need to hear from the Lord. But a lot of us have trouble doing that. And so what a great gift you would be to somebody else if you could hear for them. Does that make sense? If you could help them to tune in, if you could help them to, to adjust their frequency, to pick the voice of God up, you would be a great blessing to people. So the scripture says it takes a lot of faith to be a prophet. Because you've got to hear from the Lord and then have the courage to go speak it. But I would say it also has a lot of faith to hear the message of a prophet. 
takes a lot of faith and a lot of humility to receive a word from somebody else, doesn't it? I can remember several different times in my life when somebody came to me, a couple times it was close friends, other times it was complete strangers, and they literally said something like this. The Lord said something to me about you. Or they said, uh, I received a message from the Lord for you. And if you're anything like me, you're like, okay. What exactly did he say? Like, now you got my attention, but I'm a little creeped out, so I'm going to take two steps back, Okay. But I received a message from the Lord for you. And more often than not, I kid you not, man, the message they had, it was something they could not have known on their own. It was something that I was thinking about, something I was praying about, something that I was feeling deep within. They did not have that knowledge on their own accord. It was a word from the Lord for me. And they were strong enough, they were courageous enough to share it. Sometimes they didn't even know me. But was I humble enough to receive it? Because it did sound strange. It did look a little bit odd. But this is why I want to go on a little tangent just for a second. I don't want you just to come to church. If you're church shopping or church hopping, you got to pick one. Because you got to invest in the people in the church. Because it's the people in the church who God most likely is going to speak to you through. And so if you're just bopping around all the time, you might miss the message. Then I want you to look around. Just for a second, look around at the people in this room. These are God's transmitters to many of us. There's a word for many of you through others of you. That's why we need to invest in each other. We need to love one another. We need to serve and help one another. Because God is going to speak to us through other people. That's just kind of how he does it. All right, the last way that God speaks to us is through worship. Man, I love that there's a worship movement taking place in the church and in the next generation. I love that worship is a big deal right now, that new songs are constantly coming up. There's huge conferences, and we just, we're just singing our hearts out. I love that. Because God speaks powerfully through our praise. See, worship is so much more than just the singing of songs. It's more than just the appetizer before the meal. It's more than just this allotment of time so people can come in and find their seat. Worship is not the warm-up. Worship is how we go up. It's how we go up to meet with the Lord. Acts 13.2, listen to this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said to the disciples. While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, while they were worshiping and fasting, God spoke to them. So if you come to church late or miss out on the worship, if you, if you come to church just for the sermon, if you think that, that K-Love or, or, or worship uh, playlist or whatever, if you just think it's nice, if you think it kind of creates a nice atmosphere, if, they're, if they make you're just designed to make you feel good, then you're missing out on it. Worship is how you receive a word. Every single time we sing a song to the Lord, you are positioning yourself, you're trying to tune yourself into the voice of God himself. You think it's all about lifting him up, and it is all about your voice to him. That's a lot, but it's also about receiving his voice and his word for you. That's what worship is. And so anytime you see a church with passionless praise, you know, you know they don't believe in the Lord speaking because he speaks through our songs. That's how he does it. God speaks powerfully to us as we sing out passionately to him. So we're going to do that here in just a couple of minutes. I want us to sing a few more songs together. And if you don't get loud, I'm going to have some rulers out there. I'm just going to slap some hands as you walk out. Like, no, no, no. All right, I won't do that. But you understand why worship is so important now? Because it's actually how you can receive a word from him. 
There's a lot of ways you can receive a word from the Lord. You can be through the word. It can be through silence. It can be through others. It can be through worship. But it's, it's a sense in your spirit. It's a prompting in your heart. It's something that you can't stop thinking about. Something that you feel that you're wrestling with. That's the Lord speaking to you. That's the Lord speaking to you. Let me put some flesh on this and just share with you a couple of quick examples from my own life of what this looks like. Out at Pepperdine, we would do these, uh, these midweek services, midweek worship times, where all the students would come and worship together. And we did it in this huge outdoor amphitheater. Beautiful space overlooking the ocean. The L.A. was out in the distance. It was a really beautiful space. So I would stand up at the top of the amphitheater, and all the students were sit, you know, seated down below. And I would just pray. I would just say, Lord, just put, somebody's, put somebody on my heart tonight. Just, just show me who in this audience needs to be ministered to. Like put a student's face or a student's name on my heart and it may, just, it may just be a blessing to them. So then I would just stand back. And I would just kind of wait for him to put somebody on my heart. Now if I saw a girl crying uncontrollably, it was like, oh, that was easy. But more often than not, it was just like a sense. It was like that girl over in that cream sweater, like, yeah, her. Or that dude down there in that bro tank, like him. Like, no, really? Like, yeah, darn it, okay. This is going to be sweaty. Uh, anyway. So I would, I would just go over to that person. On the nights that I was courageous enough, not, not 100%, but the nights I was courageous enough, I would just go over to that person, the girl with the cream sweater, and I'd just kind of put my arm around her, and I'd say, hey, I believe the Lord put you on my heart for a reason, and I believe he has a word for you. And then I would just start quoting scripture over them. I'd just start praying scripture over them. Lord, I hope this girl knows she's perfectly and wonderfully made by you. Psalm 149, 13. Hope she knows that no matter what she's going through right now, you're gonna work it out for her good. Romans 8, 28. I ask you that you show this girl right now the great power that lives in her as a believer, Ephesians 1, 19, and that she will know in the depth of her being how much you love her, Ephesians 3, 18, and that nothing she has done or nothing she has, has ever been done to her could ever separate her from your love. And I'm just like, amen. You gotta be like, thank you. And then about 75% of the time, the student would turn to me and they would say, how did you know? How did you know I needed to hear that right now? I'm not going to tell you about the other 25% of the time because those are like my most embarrassing moments in all of life. It was like, no? Okay, oops, missed, missed that one, right? But at Pepperdine, he spoke to me by just impressing upon me certain faces, certain names, certain students. And then, and then I didn't speak anything revealed to me, anything special. I just, I just spoke his word. And I think others were able to hear from him that way. Does that make any sense? It was just a sense in my spirit that, that student that night needed a word. Another way that he's spoken to me, um, it's been more of a, of a process, right? At the moments of Pepperdine, it was just kind of like, bam, that person right now, go uh, talk to them. Uh, this has been more of a process. For me, it almost always starts in, in worship. I'm a huge worship junkie. I love it. And a few weeks ago, I was just worshiping my, my heart out, and the word striving came to my attention. I forget if it was in the song or if the worship leader said it, like in between the songs, but that word striving was kind of, was pressed into my heart. It was like this, of all the words that I'm thinking about, why, why did I stop and think about the word striving? So I, I, I did what I suggested you guys do. I just wrote that word down. I just wrote striving down in my journal. I said, okay, striving, that, that's interesting. Why am I drawn to that word? So then I spent a few days thinking about that word and kind of sharing with others. Man, that word striving has been on my heart. And they're like, ah, oh, that's interesting, man, whatever. Um, then, then I started to think about it. a few days later, I was, I was intentional about that word. I started thinking, striving, Lord, striving. That, that's what I do. That, that's who I am. 
I want to achieve and accomplish great things. I want to see things happen. In fact, I want to make things happen. I strive for approval. I strive for applause. I strive for accolades. I strive to be noticed and liked and important. I strive to get to where I think I need to be or where I deserve to be. I strive, Lord. And although striving can be a really good thing in life, the Lord is pressing into my heart. Your striving, Thomas, is not good. It is frustrating you and it's frustrating me. Because I was, frustra- I, was, I was striving in the flesh. I was striving out of my own ambition, my own insecurities. I was literally running myself into the ground because I wanted it. I, I was going to go get it, whatever it was. I didn't even know. I was striving, striving, striving. So, okay, Lord, you've got my attention. That word's on my heart because some, something's going on in my heart. Something's wrong in my heart. Striving. So what now, God? What do I do with this word? So, so I do what many of you do when you have a really important question in life. I just Google searched it. Literally, I swear to you, pastors don't have like an inside track to the voice of God. So I was like, striving in Bible, search. Striving in worship, search. Well, through the search, look, look what comes up. Psalm 4610, which I read to you before, be still and know. Well, the NAS, NASB version popped up in my search and it says this, cease striving and know that I'm the Lord. I will accomplish whatever I want. Cease striving. Cease striving. I've never read Psalm 46.10 as cease striving. It's always been be still. But the Lord was saying to me, stop it, Thomas. Stop this striving. Okay, then the following Friday, this is like five or six days later, okay? I I Google search worship and striving, and I stumble across this Bethel song called No More Striving. It's like 12 or 15 minutes of this woman just singing out the idea of, of the need to relax, the idea to rest in the Lord, delight in his love. Stop performing for God. Stop performing for others. Stop exerting so much effort and energy trying to prove something. I was in the sanctuary right here when the song came up on my phone and I dropped like a ton of bricks right there in that spot. Started singing that song out like, no more striving, no more striving. Like, Lord, you want me. You want me to rest. You want me to stop running. You want me to enjoy who you are and who I am in you and where you've placed me. You want me to just enjoy it. You want me to be free. You want me to be filled with, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord, for this special word. But guys, did you see how it happened? It was over the course of like three or four weeks. It went from a word to to a journal to worship to Google and back again. But I believe that that whole process, he was impressing upon my heart the word striving because he had a message for me. No more of that. No more striving. Rest in me. Relax in me. Enjoy me and enjoy where I've placed you. And I believe, guys, he has a word just like that for all of you. A very special word in this moment that will will change you in powerful ways. Let me invite the band back up and we'll spend some time in worship listening to the voice of God. I want you to read this quote with me. Let, me. let me read it first. I'll read this verse, and then I want you to say it with me out loud because it's a powerful, powerful story, a powerful, powerful moment of declaration. 1 Samuel 3.10, The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, and said to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Isn't that a great prayer? Isn't that a great declaration of faith? Isn't that a great thing to just say all week long? We don't know what else to say this week. Just say that. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. Let's say that verse together. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, say this with all your heart now, church, speak, for your servant is listening. Again, 
speak for your servant is listening. One more time, speak for your servant is listening. Let's pray that and then let's do that for the next couple of minutes in, uh, in worship. God, we pray now that you will speak to us, each and every one of us, not to our ears but to our spirits because you know what's going on deep within our heart and you have the power to change it, redeem it, make it so good. You have the power, Lord, to change our life for the better and so we ask now that you'll do that in and through this worship. Help us to hear your voice this morning and this week and help us, help us to be tuned into everything that you're saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.